God shares with us. Each week we share our gifts for ministry and our offering. I read those words almost every week, just before our offering during worship. It's an introduction for visitors so they know what's going on when a plate gets passed around. It's a reminder for those of us who have heard it before of God's gifts in our lives and the gifts we share. And today, as we celebrate our annual Pledge Sunday, the Sunday where many of us choose to plan and promise our giving for the next year, I can't help but think of these words that I'll be reading, although a little bit differently today, shortly in our service, in response to the generous gifts God shares with us. In response. Sometimes I think that we forget when we give to the church or another charitable organization that the gifts we give were first gifts for us. We've been talking about all that we receive from God in our table catechism education series on every other Tuesday night, in our Bible time with our small seeds and scriptures. It comes up often because it's easy for us to forget how much God actually does for us and how much God gives to us. Sometimes it's the very tangible things like food and shelter and our daily needs. Sometimes it's things that are harder for us to see if we're not looking, like healing or salvation or grace. Both of our readings from the Old Testament and our Gospel are stories of healing. They're stories of salvation. They're stories of grace and responding to those gifts. And I didn't actually plan this exactly, that these would be our scripture texts for today, but they seem fitting as we finish our Building Discipleship Stewardship Series. If you haven't been here much the last couple of weeks, you might wonder what this box cross that we have in our sanctuary is. Our kids built that as we talked about what it meant to be disciples and to grow in our faith on this journey and to build discipleship together and all of the building blocks that go into it. And I am very grateful for the duct tape crew regularly on Thursday keeping our cross standing. <laughs> For these last six weeks, we have been listening to temple talks from our members, sharing about their own building blocks for discipleship in their faith lives and in the ministries of our church. And as I said, our pledges, our giving, our prayers are all response. They're all in response to the gifts that God has already given to us. And so it makes sense to me that these readings fell on today. Because among the healing, the salvation, the grace, among the range of responses to these gifts in our reading, there's also a reminder that we often need to hear that God's gifts, that prayers of thanks, are not just for one group or for certain people, but that God's gifts are for all. Beginning with our first reading, Naaman is the enemy army commander. Our reading says that he is the army commander of the king of Aram, which is modern-day Syria, the victories that Naaman has brought to Aram were victories over Israel. Victories that led to a young Israelite girl being taken captive into servitude. <clears throat> Naaman is not the normal hero that we find in the Old Testament. He's foreign, he's the face of the oppressor for the Israelites, and to add on top of everything, he has a harmful skin disease. Other translations say leprosy, <clears throat> which... We had a whole conversation about in our sprouts of what leprosy was, and it's a skin disease that basically was the umbrella term for any skin disease in ancient Israel, and it meant that you were unclean on top of unclean on top of unclean for the Israelite people. 
And for the prophet Elisha to hear that Naaman had his king writing to the king of Israel asking for help would have been totally unexpected. But God often works in those unexpected ways. And so Elisha, with God's help, sends word and instructions for Naaman's healing. And Naaman is pretty disappointed by the instructions. He is a man of power, of greatness, and to not even receive Elisha, for Elisha to not even step outside of his own door to greet him, was so frustrating. It was not exactly the response that you want when giving a gift like this kind of healing to have somebody so upset and angry by it. But I think it's one that many of us can relate to. We often don't respond well to things that are unexpected, disappointing. And Naaman was no different. But his servants, like the young servant girl who first offered to help him give him some much-needed wisdom. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Doesn't it make more sense just to do it? And so Naaman went down and dipped in the Jordan River seven times in the waters that will one day baptize Jesus, and Naaman was clean. Naaman was healed. A drastic change in his life garnered a real response. One like the response that maybe Elisha had been hoping for in the first place, he goes with his group to Elisha and stands before him and gives thanksgiving and praise to God who healed him. He even tries to give Elisha a gift as a response of faith, which doesn't go exactly as planned, but that's a story for another Sunday. Naaman, the enemy, for the gift of a few humble weeks in the Jordan River, and God's healing was made new and responds with thanksgiving and praise. And as we move on to our reading from Luke, the ten men with harmful skin disease call out to Jesus on the road. They too likely would have had what we considered to be leprosy, what they considered to be leprosy in Jesus' time, unclean and unwelcome for, for, in their community, they wouldn't have been allowed in the temple, and likely they weren't allowed in many parts of town. So by the roadside on the outskirts, they waited for someone like Jesus to come. They call out to him, and Jesus sends them to the temple to show themselves to the priests. Before they even arrive, they are healed. And it's interesting, I wonder how long it took for them to notice as they were on their way to the temple. Because for the first time in who knows how long, they could walk into that temple freely. What's interesting in this healing story is the one who returns to Jesus, who notices that he's been healed and instead of following the directions, goes back the other way. He prostrates himself in front of Jesus, which we learned in Sprouts yesterday means to fully kneel face to the ground in prayer and thanksgiving and praise. And Luke, the Gospel writer, really wants us to know that this man was a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone who was considered unclean and outside of the community in Jerusalem long before his illness began, Someone who was hated for who he was, for his faith, for his ancestry. And this is the one out of ten who returns to praise God, to thank Jesus for this healing. In Jesus, he has given healing and salvation and grace. Like the other nine, Jesus gives the man the healing of his skin disease. But when he says, stand up and go on your way, you were healed because you believed. The word in Greek for believed or for healed is actually the same word for saved. 
You were saved in this healing. You were made whole. You were given this grace, this life. What a gift. And what a response from that man. A response of praise and thanksgiving that was totally unexpected from him, but sort of expected from the others. Jesus is a bit surprised that the other nine hadn't returned to him. I wonder if they were shocked they hadn't thought to seek him out on the road. I wonder if they were excited that they were so excited that they returned to their family after leaving the temple. I wonder if they figured that their Thanksgiving didn't really matter. And as I thought about this story, I couldn't help but think, and so I have to ask, how many of you write thank you notes? I think so not. It's, it's been a big practice for me. Sometimes it's hard for me to do, but it's something that I started in seminary, and I found that in thanking others for the gifts I was given, I was able to find that gratitude and praise for God even more often in my everyday life. And so thank you notes for me are actually a spiritual practice. But there was a point a little over two years ago when I wanted to never, ever, ever write another thank you note again. You might know, for those of you who know my family, that around two years ago, Hadley, my daughter, was born. And through baby showers and kindness and love, we had received so many gifts for her, and I was determined to write a thank you note for every single one that I could at nine months pregnant and with a newborn baby. It was not a great plan. I get that now. But at first, all I felt was this overwhelming gratitude for gifts and cars and care from our church, our family, and friends. But then it was also writing thank you notes for people I didn't really know, for like my mom's friends and second cousins, and it just was so much. I didn't have their addresses, and so I had to call people and try to find out where to send these. And at one point, I had written over 80 thank you notes in the span of two weeks. And I had just received another gift from our second cousin, and I broke down. <laughs> I wanted to send it back. <laughs> I didn't want any more gifts, and I didn't want any more thank you notes. And I was so frustrated and tired and covered in tears. And I sat there for a moment, and in that moment, I realized that, one, I needed a break from thank you notes. And two, I needed some time to remember that early feeling of gratitude so that I could respond to each gift, not trying to rush, but with actual thanks. I think that we sometimes get into the obligation of thanksgiving, feeling like we have to or we should respond with our gifts and our thanks and our praise, and we lose the actual feeling of gratitude for the incredible gifts that we receive. I wonder if any of the nine felt that obligation and decided to just ignore it. Or maybe they felt their obligation had been met by going to the priests and following the instructions. It was this one man, this one Samaritan, who had experienced prejudice, experienced being an outcast, experienced losing everything, who was able to, without obligation, respond to this gift of healing and grace, not because he was supposed to or because he was expected to, but because his heart was so full of that incredible gift he was given that he forwent the obligation to go to the temple and went back to Jesus instead to share just how thankful he was. 
How might we practice gratitude and a response of thanks like that? Because often we don't. In our sprouts, when we talked about Thanksgiving, the kids could name several times where they had done nice things but hadn't been given thanks. And I asked, well, has there ever been times where people have done nice things for you and you didn't give thanks? And of course, their immediate response was, never! <laughs> and I said, your parents, your family, your friends, oh, maybe, maybe a few. But we sometimes forget, we sometimes don't even notice Sometimes we get so busy we take for granted all that we have been given. Sometimes we struggle like Naaman to make choices that will guide us to healing. Sometimes we move on so quickly from moments big and small that we don't even notice that there's something to give thanks for. Sometimes obligation weighs on us more than authentic gratitude. But the truth is, even for all of his grumbling and stumbling, Naaman still washes himself in the Jordan River. Naaman is still healed. And even if they don't return, Jesus still heals all ten of those with a harmful skin disease, not because of their faith or their gratitude, but because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' grace. Because of the grace from God that Jesus gives to each and every one of us on the cross, in Jesus' death and resurrection, we are dipped in the waters of baptism and given new life, made brand new by the healing and salvation and grace of our God, so that we can respond with real thanksgiving, with real hope, recognizing the gifts of healing and grace in our lives, however small and however big, so that we can grow in our own gratitude for God's gifts, so that we can respond to this generosity that God has shared with us, so that we can be disciples, followers of Jesus, sharing these gifts with all people inside and outside of our church, no matter how unexpected they might be. So that in response to the generous gifts God gives us, we too might be gifts to our church, our community, and our world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.